Welcome to Tax Breaks, the Moody's Tax Podcast, where you find informed discussions, lively debate, and sometimes a little lighthearted fun around tax issues in Canada, the United States, and around the world. Good day. My name is Kim Moody. I'm here with my colleague, Kenneth Kung. Kenneth Kung. Uh, welcome to another edition of our firm's uh, podcast, Tax Breaks. Today, Kenneth, you and I are going to talk about the new trust reporting rules. Uh, today is August the 12th. And three days ago, we were blessed by the Department of Finance with the release of a whole bunch of draft legislation and technical amendments. And included in, in that package, the very large package, uh, was the new trust reporting rules. Well, quote, quote, new, quotation, new. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not so new. But thought we'd spend the, the time today and, and just chat about what are these new trust reporting rules? Give a bit of context, historical context. Talk about a, some of the technical challenges and what practitioners are going to have to do uh, to help their clients comply with these new rules. And for people that want to comply on their own, we'll talk about some of the uh, challenges that we see with this. So, sound like a good plan, Kenneth? Yeah, like I know we have talked about these rules a couple times before, but now this is getting real. This is getting real. So, all right. Well, let's let's take a step back here and put it in context. Um, uh, so there's been a whole um, big push around the world for increased transparency and disclosure. And we've seen things like, you know, the Panama Papers and, you know, which I have a whole bunch of opinions on that and, and other kind of leaks of data. Um, I wouldn't suggest that these rules are, are linked directly to that, but it's certainly um, consistent with the desire of the administrators to have more disclosure, more visibility on taxpayers' affairs. And so, you know, the OECD has been pushing for increased transparency on, on uh, shareholders of corporations uh, and on beneficiaries of trust, etc. So Canada has jumped on board uh, in a variety of fashions uh, with increased transparency and, and disclosure rules. Um, you know, topics for another day, Kenneth, what we're seeing now included in this package, of course, is the mandatory disclosure rules, which are horrifically complex and broad. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've seen various uh, provinces across Canada increase uh, disclosure rules uh, for beneficial ownership of, of corporations and, and shareholders. Um, and now, federally, we have these new trust uh, reporting rules. So, Kenneth, maybe we'll just start off with a history of when these rules first got proposed and introduced, and maybe I'll, mm-hmm. I'll start off and you can jump in anytime you want here. But yeah. So these rules were first uh, proposed in the 2018 federal budget. Um, you know, today is, again, August 12, 2022. That's a long time ago already. Yeah. You know, that's four and a half years ago. And there's been a lot happening since then. We've had a worldwide pandemic and lots of federal deficits and, you know, a whole bunch of craziness around the world. And in 2018... Uh, August of 2018, the government followed up with draft legislation uh, to try to implement these rules. But then what happened, Kenneth? They, so originally, the effective date of those original rules were, I, I remember, supposed to be 2021. Right. Yeah. So everyone was 
Like at, in the middle of 2021, everyone started to panic and started gathering information to comply. But then the legislation was still in draft. And CRA, CRA, their hands are tied because they can't release um, forms and amended uh, and revised returns until the uh, legislation is final. Right. And, and it was kind of a crazy time because, you know, they released the draft legislation, the joint committee, which, you know, I, I'm, I'm part of and certainly you helped uh, mm -hmm. with this submission that was made later that year in 2018 on some of the technical issues that, that practitioners, including us, saw with the draft legislation. Um, but then nothing, nothing mm -hmm. happened. Yeah, and well, COVID probably play a part. <laughs> well, COVID yeah. is the is uh, the blame for apparently lots yeah. of things, Kenneth. <laughs> so uh, we won't go down that path. But the, um, but you know, practitioners, including us, were starting to panic towards the end of 2021 when we heard nothing, and you know, Christmas time happened, New Year's Eve happened, and still, <laughs> still nothing, <laughs> right? And then we were taking bets as to like, okay, like finance need to revoke this rule. This this can apply for 2021 when 2021 has already ended. And exactly. It's still not long. Exactly. And, you know, we were having some bets internally as to what was going to happen. Then all of a sudden we get news in early January of 2022, so earlier this year, that the implementation of these rules were, were, were going to be delayed until... Surprise. Yeah, surprise, <laughs> until later this year. Until, mm -hmm. So... So February 4th, 2022 comes around, which is about a month after. And so practitioners, of course, breathe a big sigh of relief that they didn't have to comply with these new trust reporting rules for the 2021 taxation year. But, but a month later, we have a package of proposals that's released. And sure enough, uh, there's some surprise changes. Uh, the biggest one, which we'll talk about, is mm -hmm. that so-called bear trust are now required to disclose, whereas the previous version, I think the better view was no, bear trust mm -hmm. were not required to yeah. disclose. Like, uh, it, it can't be overstated how much of a uh, surprise, a, a bomb that that is, in in terms of in terms of um, how bad this is. This this I think this is like a five alarm fire in terms of tax. I would agree. Change. I would agree. And so there's bear trust reporting. So there's a lot of practitioners and organizations that reacted to that surprise and, you know, gave comments to the Department of Finance. And, and then fast forward to a few days ago, August 9th, 2022, and we have another summertime release of draft legislation and no changes. Um, Almost no changes. Well, I mean to the bear trust issues, Peter, but, yeah. but to the trust reporting rules, you're right. There's mm -hmm. almost no changes. Uh, from the February 4th release, I think the biggest change was what, Kenneth? It was... Uh, there was some relief for indigenous trusts and, right. and, and, and very, very narrow set of mutual fund trusts. So really, on a practical basis, no changes. Um, but very disappointing that we don't see changes or relief from bear trust reporting. Um, so we'll talk more about that. And so I think that takes us to present day because if this package of proposals gets, you know, passed into law, which of course anything can happen and maybe it doesn't, but I think it's high probability it will. Very high at this point. I, I would agree. Mm -hmm. uh, so practitioners and, and affected taxpayers are, 
are now going to have to pay significant attention to this for proper compliance for the 2022 taxation year. Right. So, so let's talk about some of that, Kenneth. Um, so if these rules apply, what happens? Mm-hmm. Generally speaking, if these rules apply, um, all ex- almost all express trust will have to file T3 trust income tax return. In the return, there will be expanded disclosure rules about information on all the beneficiaries, settler, trustee, and uh, any protector. And we will talk more about that. Um, and as, I, as we said, even bear trust, express bear, bear trust will need to be reported. So that, that's the general overview of what so we're So let's dive a little bit deeper into the reporting. I mean, you and I and some other practitioners for sure have seen, you know, the CRA's draft new expanded reporting uh, regime, or at least not regime, but their, their forms, which ultimately, of course, never got uh, utilized for 2021. I suspect that those forms will likely get um, amended slightly, but probably implemented for 2022. Give us a more detailed sense of what some of that uh, disclosure looks like, Kenneth. Mm-hmm. So if the trust have to, if the trust is caught by one of these rules, which most trusts will be, then um, name, address, date of birth, jurisdiction of residence, and the tax identification number of each person who is a trustee, a beneficiary, a settler, or anyone who has the ability to exert influence over trustee decisions regarding the appointment of income or capital of the trust, such as what is commonly known known as protectors of the trust, will all have to be disclosed in some schedule or form with the return we would we, we assume. But at, like these these terms, trustee, beneficiary, settler, they have their common meaning. But it's there's more to it than meet the eye. So for example, with what they mean by settler for this disclosure purpose is um, of course the settler of the trust deed, but also anyone who loaned or transferred property to the trust unless they are at arm's length with the trust at that time and and made those loans or transfer at commercial terms. So in other words, it expands the definition of settler that we're normally used to. Mm-hmm. To basically anyone who loaned money to the trust. And that happened often in a family context. And then beneficiary, again, much more than meet the eye because there are current beneficiaries, but under trust law, a beneficiary includes anyone who have contingent or future rights to uh, trust property. That, that means contingent beneficiaries or even beneficiaries who will only uh, come into play on a disaster clause, like when all the, the entire family pass away and then let's say the money will be divided amongst uh, uncles and nephews, right? All all those will be beneficiaries, and you will need to go to each of them and ask them for date of birth, name, address, tax identification number, which if they're Canadian means the SIN number, and uh, the jurisdictional residence. So let's let's maybe just use an example here, Kenneth. Mm -hmm. I mean, 
you know, your typical Canadian family trust yes. that's often utilized in traditional uh, estate planning or tax planning or even just normal estate planning. Did I say that already? Estate planning? Yeah, I probably did. Um, your typical trust will be created, but let's say I want to create a trust for you. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I'm going to create a trust. I'll be the settler. I'll give the trustee, let's say, $20 as the original trust property. Yep. And um, so let's say uh, you're one of the trustees. Yes. Along with your wife, for example. Mm-hmm. And let's pretend that you've got a whole bunch of nieces and nephews and mm-hmm. people, family members that you want to uh, benefit. So you, so in the deed, we define who those beneficiaries are and, and it, we, we make them very broad. Yeah. And, and e- even though in most, in 99% of cases, I was just going to benefit, say, my children, but it's good practice to have a broad class of beneficiaries. Yeah, just, so. just to provide lots of flexibility, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And then in addition to that, the trust deed provides for uh, lots of discretion to be given to the trustee, you. Yeah. Uh, and, and also beneficiaries you typically will include corporations controlled by any of the any of the beneficiaries named. Right. Or even like other trusts in which those beneficiaries are beneficiaries of. Yeah, and say maybe it's corporations that we mm-hmm. want to benefit or other trusts. So we define all that in the, tr- in, in the trust deed. So walk through in this silly little example, which is quite realistic, actually. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, who needs to disclose, or who, what what information needs to be disclosed in the new Kenneth Kung Family Trust? Yep. So first, Kim, I would need your social insurance number, what? an address, and date of birth. I don't want to give it to you. <laughs> <laughs> if well, and if Kim is not willing to give that to me, me, the trustee, will be subject to penalties. Ah, which we'll talk about in a minute, we'll but. So if I tell you to go pound sand, or if this is fifteen years down the road and you are in a retirement home and I can't <laughs> find where you are, right? Yeah. Okay, Kenneth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then okay, that's the that's the settler settlement. And then next, I, I have to review the entire history of my trust to see if there's any other one anyone else who would fit into the into the expanded definition of settler so for example if somebody loaned money to the trust yeah, let's say my let's say my uncle no loaned money to the trust for whatever reason and what if your uncle says what i'm not giving you my social insurance number more too, too bad for me right? right i would get penalized okay. potentially so keep going and then beneficiaries Okay, fine. I, I will provide the all the necessary info for my children. But then, okay, that. But now I have to because of how broad I have listed my list of beneficiaries. I'm gonna have to go to each of my nieces and nephews and tell them, hey, you know what? You are named as a beneficiary of my trust. You may not get anything. Yeah. See, that sucks, <laughs> right? Because now you're you're disclosing to them something that you may or may not have wanted to benefit the benefit them in the future but now you've kind of put them on notice right that, that they are beneficiary of my wealth which on a practical basis I think kind of sucks yes very very much so especially when, when there's like family dynamics exactly but then also now let's say I have a nephew who is studying in the US I have to disclose that jurist um, jurisdiction of residence. I assume that means tax residency. Like Kim, when a client comes to us and asks us, "What's their? What is the tax residency?" 
what do we say? <laughs> well, we don't know. We don't know. We 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 have to analyze all their facts, right? Yeah, that's probably at least a five at least a five thousand dollar exercise, at knowing or having case. all the facts. Unless the facts are so no brainerish, right? Which uh, in some cases, in some cases, but in many cases, it's not. But as you can see, there are challenges when me as trustee have to report to the CRA someone I don't know very well of their tax the tax residency. How how do I do that? And if I do it wrongly or take a position that is incorrect, inconsistent with what that person actually reports or thinks, what happens? Well, apparently, penalties is yeah. what you keep saying. And then uh, I have corporate beneficiaries. These corporate, okay, they're fine. I report information about the corporations I control. But let's say it turns out my my brother uh, is a doctor and has a doctor professional corporation. And I have to get information about his corporation too. And now this has nothing to do with the disclosure rules. By reason of this being a discretionary trust and his corporation being included as a beneficiary of my trust, probably accidentally, his corporation is associated with right. any corporations owned by my trust, yeah. which causes a lot of tax problems, which we would not go into for my brother's corporation. Now, in the past, this may have been ignored. Now, CRA is put on notice that corporation is a beneficiary, which could cause tax problems for my brother's corporation. Not good. Mm-hmm. Anybody else you got to disclose? Um, well, it's. I guess the exercise is trying to figure out who is all the current and contingent beneficiaries, um, and with the threat threat of penalties, it's such a, it's quite a bit, quite a bit of responsibility and burden. So it's going to take a lot of brain power, as opposed to, um, as opposed to, you know, in the past, these rules weren't. Weren't, weren't around. Mm -hmm. It was simply just a few questions you had to answer routinely yeah. and then do your normal tax computations on the T3 and that's it. Yeah. With a discretionary trust, a trustee has no responsibility to ascertain who who the beneficiaries of the entire class is. But now I have to go find out who, like maybe because let's say, typically you say all the direct issue of all the uh, beneficiaries, let's say. Now I have to figure out, let's say my brother, who is who living in another country, have have children I don't know about. I'm going to have to find out. Why wouldn't you about, know about your brother's kids? Are you, are you estranged from your brother? Because I'm actually just a single child. But, but you know, um, then if now there is an ex, there is an exception specifically for beneficiaries. It says if I if. If there's a beneficiary whose whose identity is unknown or cannot be ascertained with reasonable effort, then all I, so the trustee needs to do, is to provide sufficiently detailed information to deter, determine with certainty, well, for CRA to determine with certainty, whether any particular person is a beneficiary. So held on a practical basis. That, that means that means disclosing that. Hey, I don't know exactly know if my brother has kids. My trustee says that if he has kids, uh, they will be beneficiary. And here's all the information about my brother. Yeah, but is the CRA at some point going to say, why didn't you call your brother or send him a, a text like, or an email and they, find out? Yeah, because I this exception, I can only do that if um, I couldn't ascertain who his children are. 
um, with reasonable effort. Okay. So basically, the long story short here is we got a lot of effort and brain power potentially to figure out uh, who the who the beneficiaries are, who the settler might be. So the disclosure of, of this is is not going to be routine and easy. I think I think that's fair to say. Mm-hmm. Let's talk, uh, Kenneth, before we get into you know the bear trust topic. What happens if if penalties apply? And first of all, when do they apply? Well, if if uh, if there's incorrect uh, omission on the return, uh, and and if those omission or error uh, amounts to errors that were omission that were made knowingly or under circumstances amounting to gross negligence. So knowingly means, for example, means it it takes too much work to go find my brother. So I'm just going to not disclose my brother's my brother information. For example, that's 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 omission knowingly made. Then, uh, then the penalty would be the greater of two thousand five hundred dollars and five percent of the total fair market value of all the property held by the trust. Holy. Jesus, five percent of the fair market value? Yes, let's let's pretend my trust owns a owns a house in Vancouver, which has you know gone up in value significantly. Except for maybe recently, it's come down a little bit. Who it was knows, still forty four million dollars a so, house in Vancouver. So five percent of four million dollars in that example that, for for simply not disclosing your brother knowingly. Uh, that's a two hundred thousand dollar penalty that year. Do we know of any other provision in the Act that provides for a penalty equal to the fair market value of the underlying assets? Mm, one that come immediately to mind is would be like foreign, like foreign asset disclosure. I thought that uh, was uh, on the cost, though, not on the fair market value. Mm, maybe on the foreign trust stuff. Don't think so off the top of my head. You and I will have to look at this mm-hmm. offline. But the, the point I'm trying to make is that's a significant. Uh, significant penalty. penalty. Yes. So, so in other words, be careful. Mm-hmm. Any other penalties before we move on, Kenneth? No, that that's the main. That's the main. One. That's the main stick to, yeah. to make you comply. So let's let's divert uh, as a closing topic then, Kenneth, into bear trust. Right. You know that's that's a hornet's nest, and we could talk about this for probably thirty minutes easily on, yeah. on this podcast. Let's maybe try and. Tighten it up. Maybe you could just give the uh, listeners, you know, what is a bear trust, first mm-hmm. of all? So, a, first, a bear trust needs to be a trust. Meet, meet all the requirements of a trust under trust law. So, um, for example, a simple agency arrangement um, may not be a trust. But if there is, but, okay, for, what is a, a good example of a bear trust? So, for example... I have, I'm going to, me, let's say I'm a real estate developer and I don't want, uh, I don't want my, the, the seller to know it's me who is buying the land for various negotiation reasons. So I set up a corporation, uh, just a number corporation to put on the purchase and sale agreement. The, the, that corporation, if the sale close, will buy the land. But there is, but the but that corp, I'm going to draft up a document so that that corporation is just going to hold that land for for my benefit, 
and that corporation would have no true power to do what it likes with the with the land, and will have to disgorge the land back to me when I want. So that relationship is, even though it is a trust, it is more like a, an agency. And despite it being a trust under law, the Income Tax Act says a trust is deemed not to include an arrangement under which the trust is can reasonably be considered to act as an agent for the beneficiary, meaning bear trust. So for, for purpose of the Income Tax Act, almost all purposes of the Income Tax Act, a bear trust is, is ignored, and me, the beneficial owner, is treated as the owner of the land. And there's no, in the past, no reporting needed of this bear trust arrangement. Right. And that's specifically because Section 104, specifically subsection 104.1, mm-hmm. um, caused that to be ignored, right? Yes. Um, and so, but now for purpose of these trust reporting rules, there's amendments uh, that say that, no, 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 bear trusts, um, bear trusts need to be uh, disclosing under these reporting requirements. Yes. So, there is a specific carve out for these disclosure rules uh, for that 104 rule. So right. in, in other words, bear trust will need to file T3 return despite not being a thing uh, under the Income Tax Act. So and disclose all the you know, beneficiaries and trustee and all that. So do you, is there just a few of these bear trust arrangements across Canada, Kenneth? No, no, they, they are everywhere. Now, the example I give in itself is very prevalent, but there are much more vanilla examples. For for instance, let's say it is very common for people to do probate planning by adding themselves to the legal title on a house that their parents own, thinking that so that when the parents pass away, the house um, passed to them by joint tenancy, right of survivorship, and doesn't have to go go through probate. That is like that arrangement likely is a bear trust, even though they may not have a piece of paper that says bear trust. Because when I when my name is added to my parents' um, land title, I'm holding this legal title in the land for the benefit of my parents and I have to and I have no true power over this land. And now suddenly I have to file a T3 return in 2022 to disclose this bear trust arrangement. If not, and I did it knowingly or in circumstances amounting to gross negligence, there's penalty of up to 5% of the value of this, either this house or maybe just my one, one third interest, so-called one third interest in this house because I'm say one of three names on this on this trust deed, yeah, on I mean, the and, land title deed. And so, I mean, you're leading down a, uh, that, that's a really, really good example, and you're leading down the path of why most practitioners, many practitioners—I shouldn't say most—have uh, a problem with these disclosure rules being administered through the Income Tax Act, as opposed to if you, you know, if the government of Canada really, truly wants these, you know, this this information, you know, in my view, they could get it uh, outside of the income tax regime and mm-hmm. and not put the burden on tax preparers like accountants, yeah. because how many accountants in reality? know 100% of the dealings of their clients where they would know of the existence of a bear trust arrangement. I, I would submit that most accountants don't know or tax preparers. Kenneth, would you agree with that? Or? 
Yeah, yeah, many, many don't. Like um, all of the dealings of my clients, yeah. Okay. And, and what about some clients, you know, larger clients, and you've, you've used one example already, real estate. It, bear trusts are very, very common in real estate arrangements, mm-hmm. and rightfully so in many cases. Um, you know, I know some people that don't really understand, uh, you know, the purpose of bear trust think that it's evil and secretive and, you know, there's some bad things going on with bear trust. And that's just not true. Uh, they, they facilitate purchases and sales in a very efficient manner in many cases. And like, I can think of one client that you and I deal with on a routine basis. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I would gather to, you know, our hazard a guess that, I don't know, maybe there's, a hundred bear trusts or more that this particular client has. Yeah, it's just a typical way of doing business. Yeah, and so now we're going to have a hundred plus T three returns with. What's the benefit to the government account? I, I I just don't get it. So, but the bottom line is it doesn't matter. Uh, we're going to have clients and tax advisors preparers that are going to need to know the existence of the bear trusts. Mm-hmm. Uh, in their client relationships, so as to make sure they comply with these reporting yeah. and, rules. And I agree, this should be should have been done. If transparency is what they want, should have been done outside the tax system. The provincial, perhaps, is a provincial thing, right? A, a, a public land registry where you have to disclose beneficial owner on the land registry. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, done. Done. So, but it is what it is. You know, Kenneth, we could talk more about some technical issues. Uh, but you know we're we're running out of time here. Is there any burning technical issues in in these reporting rules that you want to talk about? Um, I think you've already mentioned one. Mm-hmm. You know the definition of settler mm-hmm. is very broad. Is there Jur- any others? Jurisdiction is broad. Um, I guess there's one one thing that jumps out when we looked at the rules is uh, only an express trust needs to file a T three return. So they are so called for some resulting trusts, and so think. Trust that just pops up by reason of uh, by reason of law of equity, so not not someone actually creating a trust. So understandably, they said those trusts that were not expressed trusts don't need to file T three return. But curiously, in the rules that that talks about where um, each person who controls the trust needs to disclose the name, address, jurisdiction, uh, uh, tax identification number of all the beneficiary, trustee, settler, whatsoever. That rule applies to both express trusts and trusts that are not express trusts. So I'm not too exactly sure how the how CRA is going to go about this. Yeah, I that- hope, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that CRA would just ignore this discrepancy and just have a schedule that is part of the T3 return and that schedule you don't have to file unless you file a T3 return. Right. One thing that we didn't talk about, Kenneth, is is there's a number of trusts that are you know exempt from these new rules. There's a long laundry list. Mm-hmm. But suffice it to say that you know things like graduated rate estates are exempt, RSPs, which are trusts, are exempt, RIFs are exempt. Oh and importantly, uh, a trust that has less than $50,000 throughout the year, but only if the only assets held by the trust throughout the year are money or like publicly traded shares. Right. Um, you like, mean if it doesn't own, so if it's 50000 but it owns shares of a private company that's worth $25,000. Yeah, caught. Caught. Or, or, so Tim, when you, when, you, when you start practicing, what do most people settle a trust by? Uh, usually a gold coin. 
is gold money, gold coin? Uh, I would fathom no. So, <laughs> or silver coin. Silver Probab coin. Probably not money. So even right. though it may only have like, it may have nothing other than silver coin. I think it's it's not within this exception. It will be. That's a, good, that's a good point. That's mm -hmm. a really good point, Kenneth. All right. So maybe some concluding comments, Kenneth. Um, are these rules welcome? Mm, no, especially the bear trust part, not welcome. Right. I would agree with that. Uh, having said that, you know, Canada's following the wave of transparency disclosure requirements around the world, so it's not surprising that these rules are here. I would maybe close it off by uh, by saying that taxpayers and their advisors, especially tax preparers, really need to get up to speed. I know there was a rush in 2021, and good tax preparers and tax advisors were up to speed and ready, <laughs> but now... Uh, with the bombshell that was released in February of 2022 with Bear Trust, that readiness needs to be accelerated even even yeah. more. And the clients, a lot of clients don't even realize they have Bear Trust. Right. So, very disappointing, but I guess we'll leave it and say get ready, uh, because these rules will more than likely be implemented into law, effective for 2022 taxation years for trust. So, thanks as always, Kenneth, Thank and you. thanks uh, to the listeners. All the best now. Bye. Bye.